It's time for Loud Pipes, the podcast centered around motorcycles, the motorcycle experience, and other automotive diversions. Recording from RDub Studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, or wherever sufficient bandwidth can be located, here's Rich Warfield and Rico Hogan. episode 34 and we'll have a guest with us tonight later on in the conversation to talk about Moto Guzzi as someone who has been a rider for some 45 years and we finally have an announcement on our plans for Patreon. Mr. Hogan, what are you up to? I am chilling in Kentucky. Kentucky? Does that mean bourbon tonight? No, I'm drinking. That's funny you say that. Uh, I'm drinking Moscow tonight. Oh, again? Look at you. I know. I brought it with me. I had to, you know, let my brother sample a little bit of it. Brought a little bit of San Miguel home with you. That's right. A little bit of paradise. Very nice. And uh, John, what are you up to this evening? Uh, Not much. Just getting ready for the holidays and sitting around here. It's getting a little chilly. Getting a little colder these days, and nothing else really new and exciting in this part of the state. All right. Yeah, no beer for me tonight. Just drinking water. I'm, I don't know, I'm fighting something off, Rico. I don't know what it is. Just a little bit of a head cold or something, but first one for the bad year, juju. I guess. Yeah, bad juju. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we really only have two two topics for this evening. And we have a really cool conversation coming up uh, with a gentleman by the name of Jim May, and he's a salesperson over at Matthews Fun Machines. And I think we mentioned this before, but he's been around and riding Moto Guzzi for over somewhere over 45 years, and we got a great conversation to play for everyone. Um, but I have to ask you, Rico, do you like ads in your radio and television and things like that? No, not really. Not really? No. No, I don't either, unfortunately. Unless they're short ones. Unless they're short ones. Yeah. Or, and entertaining. Yeah. They have lots of glitter. Lots of glitter. And powder. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not really a fan of it either, but the thing I dislike more than listening to them would be the thought of creating them. <laughs> Going out, seeking, you know, said sponsorship, and then mixing that into our show. So that brings us into our first little topic here, which is... We're announcing that we've launched our Patreon campaign. So just some quick background on what Patreon is, is it allows for uh, ongoing support of our show and other things that we have planned here. And we still have our donate page. That's not going to go away, but that's more of a one-time thing. You know, think of the donate page more as like a, a tip jar, if you will. But Patreon allows us so much more flexibility and it allows, allows us to be so much more cool about it. So, for example, we have goals that we're going to talk about later in the show, and we have sort of rewards for um, we have rewards for different levels. So, again, we're going to get into all this after our our conversation with Jim. But if this is something that you've been looking forward to, we just want to let you know that it is live. And um, you know, feel free to check out uh, Patreon.com/slash/RWStudios while you're listening to this conversation, and we'll get into all the detail here after we talk to Jim. Well, hey, Rich. Yes, sir. Before we get into the interview, I'm going to throw a popper on you guys. Uh-oh. Oh, something that I, Yeah, yeah, I know. Something I saw on our buddy Matthew's website on his YouTube video. And I'm going to pose it out to you. I thought it would be an interesting question to ask you guys. Okay. If you were given a billion dollars, <laughs> would you stop riding your two wheels? A billion dollars to stop riding? Yeah, never ride them again. Never get on two wheels again. Ooh. Would you do it? Ooh, that's a tough one. And I watched the video, so I've had some time to think about it. <laughs> I thought this would be an interesting topic to throw up on you guys. That's why I've kind of kept this a secret. And I was like, oh. let me throw this out to you guys live and no thinking. Well, Rich is kind of that thinking. So, Rick, wow, jeez. Uh, I'll give you my first thought. So, when I watched it, my first thought was, oh heck no, I'm not giving up my bike. Not. No way. Like, there's, there's no amount of money ever. And then I was like, wow, that 
that's a lot of coin. <laughs> that's a lot of scratch. <laughs> yeah, I could buy some faster, right? Possibly. You, you, you could, you know, and if you with you've watched Matthew's video, he talked about it, and he threw out this thing of, he was kind of the same way with Rich. No, I'd never give up my two wheels. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Then he started thinking about it. He's like, well, hang on. A Cam Am Spider could be in the picture. Well, a slingshot could be in it because it's not true. two wheels. Well, the, right. sling, the slingshot, yes, but uh, the spider is a motorcycle by definition and licensing. Well, well so it's three wheels. It says two wheels. So is the slingshot. You're right. You're right. So, or you could do a reverse trike or a regular trike. Well, that's a technicality, though. You can't put that into that kind of deal. No, well, well, they said two wheels. Oh. So there you go. But, would I mean, for me, yes, I would, even if I did love them and enjoy them. <laughs> I think you could get a car. Rich, you could get your vet. Well, I, I, yeah. I, I, take my, I take the selfish part off. With that much money, it's like you, you could help a lot of people. I mean, you could take your entire immediate and extended family, and they're set for life. I mean, just start right there. I mean, that alone... I think at the end of the day, I'd have to put my my selfishness aside and and take it. Okay, good, yeah. good one, Rico. Yeah. Are you in the same boat or? But my initial thought was, oh heck no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one, Rich. Yeah, the the, the first initial shock was like, heck no, uh uh-uh, uh, no way, not, not gonna happen, it. can't do it. Uh, don't care, put your money away. But uh, now after thinking about it, you're right. You know, you could do a lot with that money and help a lot of folks, um, not only your immediate family, but yeah. others, you know, yep. scholarships. Um, there's yep. just anything. I mean, you know, anything and everything you could possibly do. Even uh, even like business opportunities. Like, right. Talk about startup funding. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. We'd record every day. Yeah. Uh, that much we, money. <laughs> diversify. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. So I thought that'd be kind of a cool thing to be in our little chit chat here. So sorry to pop that on you, but. No, that's, that's good. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew came up with that question and thought we could throw it out there, you know, so. Well, we've got a new show segment, the surprise from John. (laughs) (laughs) Today's surprise from Johnny. (laughs) All right. Let's have to work on coming up with new surprises each week to uh, catch you guys off guard then. But we got to tell Matthew though he's got to work on a singing a little bit, and, and oh, nothing yeah. that you're wearing either, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's cool. But thanks, John. Appreciate no it. No problem. All right, Rico. So all this uh, Moto Guzzi talk has sort of got us thinking over the last couple of days, and I know after the California ride and and me sort of ooing and eyeing over the Flying Fortress, we thought it would be good to bring someone in who has a lot more experience with, with Moto Guzzi, the brand, as well as the bikes, and, and he happens to sell them. So that's pretty good, uh, pretty good access to information. <laughs> so let's go ahead and bring in uh, Jim May. He works over at Matthews Fun Machines here in Charlotte, or actually in Matthews. It's my mistake there. And uh, we're going to talk uh, some Moto Guzzi. So, Jim, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. <laughs> Give a little backstory. So let everyone know just what you do over at Matthews Fun Machines, and then uh, we'll kind of get into the bikes. Okay. Well, I'm a salesman over there, and I've been working there about two years, and uh, I've been around the brand for 45 years, or maybe 50 years, so I'm very familiar with the motorcycle. And, and so um, I used to come in there on Saturday and hang around. So the boss one day said, look, why don't you just come down here and on Saturday and start working? <laughs> and I said, what do you want me to do? And he said, I'd like you to sell uh, Moto Guzzi's Aprilia's here, so... I said, well, I've never sold anything, you know, before been a salesman. He said, well, I can teach you that. So, I've been there two two years, going starting my third year in January. So, very nice. It's just a matter of time before he, I guess, before he gives me the same speech, right? You know, if you come around here long <laughs> enough, we're going right. to put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you hang around there enough, they'll put you to work. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah, that is a, a fun place, I must say. Um, besides, you know, Moto Guzzi and Aprilia, you guys also have Yamaha, Kawasaki, um, just, you run the gamut over there, right? Yeah, we have K&M Spiders and then we sell Polaris ATVs too. So it's an interesting place to come to visit, you know, and see all the different brands. Yeah, indeed. 
All right. So you've been around the brand for about 45 years. So uh, give us a little take on what you ride currently, uh, just for flavor. Yeah, currently I have a 1400 California Custom. That's like the bike you rode. And uh, it's a it's a new bike. Uh, as of 2013, they built a large California model. They used to have another model called California. And matter of fact, the name goes back into the 70s when they were police bikes. They, they were Moto Guzzi Eldorados and Ambassadors. But mm-hmm. this new California was designed by young uh, design students in uh, Los Angeles, California. And they built the bike there. They designed it there, and uh, they took the, the drawings and designed back to Italy and uh, to their factory, and they built the bike there. So it's California, designed and built in Italy. Very cool. Wow. Very cool. Wow. Sorry, Rico, you had something there? No, I was just like, wow. So the students designed them. What what type of input did they get when they well, went they, back to Italy? Yeah, I think... <laughs> Piaggio wanted them to design a, a, a muscle cruiser, and they wanted to look a, a little bit American, and uh, you know, some something that would appeal to to more people. Uh, it being you know a big muscle cruiser, so they designed it here and then took it back there and the, back to their uh, studios there apparently and laid it all out and started building the bikes. And the bikes are still uh, hand built on assembly line like cars used to be. No kidding. Mm-hmm. They're hand built. Uh, our our boss Jack Parks went there last year and toured the factory, and they uh, he said they're pretty much all hand built. There's very little robotics involved. Nice, That's awesome. That's awesome. When it comes down to the motor, you know, because when we test drove the 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 California fourteen hundred, I think it was the custom that we rode. It had the three, four different modes, I believe, and I had the opportunity to to do it in velocity mode. Right. Yeah, they have three modes uh, on the computer, and it's, it's uh, you can change it over by using the starter button once the engine's running. But it has a rain mode, which uh, cuts the power to the engine, keep it from spinning in the rain. And then it has a tourist mode, which I usually ride around in. And then if you want to, you can put it in velocity, and that uh, kind of changes all the uh, settings in the engine. Everything makes it really fast, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was... Uh... In one of our episodes last, we talked about that and just how violent, and not really violent, but just how torquey the motor felt when you blipped it or were coming out of a coming out of you know second or third gear, and you're just kind of cruising. How it just kind of vibrates and everything. So that's what I'm hearing is that's mainly because of the velocity mode and, and the behavior in that mode. Yeah, it's a little more. Uh you know, very more, a lot more responsive. Uh, matter of fact, when I first bought my bike, it had uh, some slick hand grips on it, and they come from the factory that way. They've got chrome on each end, and they're slick in the middle, and I had on gloves, and it was in the wintertime, <clears throat> so I pulled out on this long road that I usually go home on, and straight away, there's nothing, no side streets, and so I thought, well, I'm going to whack this thing in velocity mode, so I, I whacked it in first gear, and when I hit second, it pulled my hands off the handlebars, and um, both hands came off the handlebars. Of course, the wow. bike slowed down immediately, and I went forward and grabbed the handlebars. And <laughs> so I was like, wow, I've never, of all the motorcycles I've ridden, I've never had one pull the handlebars out of my hands. So the next day when I went back to the dealership, I went in the parts department there and got a set of Italian grips that are real sticky. And uh, <laughs> took those uh, slick grips off and put them in my toolbox and uh, put on the other grips. So. Now I don't have that problem, but I was just shocked that the, 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 I'd never done that before, and I never—I just didn't realize it was going to pull that hard. Yeah, we got to come check out your bike. So, do you have uh, any aftermarket exhaust on that, or is it fairly stock? Oh, mine's just pretty much stock. Uh, they do make uh, you know a lot of uh, factory options, or not factory uh, aftermarket, and then uh, right. there are um, you know pipes you can buy through Guzzi. Yeah, that was my only thing following Rico. And of course, my my deuce makes quite a bit of noise, but <laughs> that was my comment to Rico: was it? It's not very loud. I mean, it looks it looks nice. It looks like a hot rod. It looks like a muscle car, and I just just needed that sound. I needed that fire to go along with the look. Yeah, we we do have one on the showroom floor that does have the aftermarket exhaust, and it's a it's a very uh, V eight sounding. The Guzzi's are ninety degree V's, unlike any other bike. Right. So their engines sound more like a V8 engine than they do, you know, uh, the V-twins so, mm. with the right exhaust on them. All right. We gotta, I got to get over there and get a sound clip. 
yeah. that, that's for sure. So, what type of exhaust is it? Just, just for curiosity's sake. Uh, gosh, I can't. The name escapes me. Who uh, okay. makes the, the, the exhaust? It's almost across the street from the factory in uh, Mandela Delora, okay. in uh, okay. Italy. And they uh, they design. They go go across the street, get a bike, and bring it over there to their fat to their design studio and put it on uh, dyno and they. You know, they run it until they get the right horsepower, and they design the exhaust that way. Oh. I just wonder if it's Acro, Acropovich. Uh, that's one of them that's available for Goosey. I've forgotten the name of that one. <laughs> oh, Apologize. Yeah. Anyway, no problem. So we'll, we'll plug it later. <laughs> so, you, so you're enjoying you're enjoying the California uh, 1400 Custom. You said right? Yes. Yes. It's a 700 pound motorcycle, but it feels like about a 500 pound motorcycle because all the weight's real low in it. So it's very easy to ride. Everybody that rides the, the mm-hmm. custom, especially, says this doesn't feel like a 700 pound motorcycle. Yeah, that's what Rico was surprised surprised with because my my Harley Deuce is also about 700, mm-hmm. and that's what he said. Is like you know this is very nimble. It feels very very flickable, and then. You know, when he found out later how much it weighed, he was surprised. It's like, whoa! I thought it was more like you know, five fifty, yeah, range. Yeah, they they handle well. I've had mine in the mountains several times. So cool. Yeah. So th- this is a good thread. What um, I guess can you step back a little bit? You know, what have you ridden prior in, in the Guzzi family, or anything that sticks out as as being like a favorite? I started out in nineteen seventy five on the first one. I traded a seven fifty Ducati. In on it because at the time Ducati just didn't make any touring accessories. You couldn't even get a windshield or a rear rack or anything. So I wanted something that you could, you know, put a windshield and bags on and go long distance. So my first Guzzi was the uh, 850T model. Okay. And then uh, after that, I had an SP1000, which was a sport touring model. And it's probably one of my favorites. And then uh, then I wanted to go to the Le Mans series, which is you know a, kind of a naked sport bike. And that was one of my favorites also, the Le Mans. But uh, I've, I've ridden several of them. I've had another California model previous to this, and then uh, it was 1100 California, though. So this is a totally redesigned bike, 1400. Okay. That's a nice crop of bikes there. Yeah, well, I've ridden, I've had nine, seven Ducatis and eight Moto Guzzis, a couple of Harleys, a Buell, and uh, some Honda, small Hondas back in the day. But uh, So I've ridden... I've ridden about every bike available to ride that I can ride. (laughs) Working there at the dealership, you know, you get a chance to ride. Some of them, we just take them and ride them home and bring them back the next day because they need to be ridden. So I've ridden several other bikes, too. Oh, that's a good tip. I didn't realize that. Maybe, uh, Rico, maybe that's a side gig. We need to become (laughs) a bike salesman so we can get more of these bikes. Get to take one home. (laughs) That's cool. So that Le Mans, so if I wanted to be like the cool guy on uh, Moto Guzzi, which bike historically will be the bike to have? Well, right now in the current line, probably the Griso, 1200 Griso. That's a kind of a, a naked sport bike with uh, handlebars, not clip-ons on it. Uh, that's one. And then the V7 Racer is also a very cool little bike, you know. It's a 750, but it's um, everywhere. Everybody that comes in that shop, I've never had anyone from age 8 to 80 that said they didn't like that bike they thought they like they came over it would no matter what they came in there to look at when they spotted they'd come over and look at it and say you know i really like that bike huh <laughs> interesting now i noticed the um the v7 they have uh on the website they have like a garage or a configurator where you can sort of customize them is that sort of the bike that they're doing that with the v7 yes they are uh currently uh, we're uh, awaiting um some uh parts from the factory they're shipping us parts that change the uh, 750 over we're changing one or a couple of them over to the scrambler model with the high pipes and there's uh, different fenders and things that come with it and uh, we're you know so you can go through the the um, you can get on the website and design your own bike you know what you right. want uh, they have like uh, cafe bikes and cruisers and different things so there's several things that you can pick and, and they will send, we'll send, get, get the parts and assemble it for you, you know. So you oh, just come cool. in and pick up the bike, whatever you want. Oh, so, all right. So that's different. You mm-hmm. you kind of pick your style, and then they send you the parts, and then you can do it yourself well, or have the, the dealer parts, do it? Yeah, or I guess they, I'm not sure if they sell directly to the customer. I guess they would. Hmm. And then you can either do it or we can do it and build the bike for you, and then it'd be, you know, uh, uh, you just 
come in and pick it up. That would, yeah, that would be a fun project to just receive all those parts and then do the swap yourself. You know, assuming it it's fairly yeah. simple. Hmm. You looked at that, Rico. I I just started poking around with it last night. That's pretty yeah, cool. I'm looking at that now. That is pretty cool. So, can you change the wheels and everything, or just? Oh yeah, yeah. They, uh, you can change the wheels, the exhaust, uh, the seat, the tank. You know, just different whatever configuration you want. You know. Pretty much anything that bolts onto the frame, right? What about for like taller user uh, riders? What about well, like? Uh, what they've done with the 750 this year is they uh, they they lowered the engine in the frame. They tilted this, the engine three degrees fa- further forward the cylinder, so the cylinders give you a little more room, mm-hmm. and it puts it, the engine and the drivetrain in perfect um, ba- you know just perfect. Um, they're both horizontal. Like there's no bend in it or anything. So, you know, it, uh, they made several changes. They added traction control and ABS brakes on the uh, the new model. So, uh, so they, that helps out the taller rider. Just the fact that the cylinders are a little further forward. Nice. Yeah, I was I was surprised too with you know because you know when you see a motor goose, you think you think man you, that that bike must can put a lot of heat in your lap. So I was surprised that I didn't feel any of that heat. Is that contributed to the liquid cool portion, or what contributes to not feeling that heat? Well, they're both. They're all air cool motors, air oil cool, and um, the big uh, motor goosies have a, a large uh, radiator at the bottom of the engine with a fan behind it. So if the oil temperature gets up to a certain temperature, the fan will come on and change it. But the fact that you just have one cylinder sticking out beside your leg. Uh, you get very little heat, even in the 100-degree weather we had this past summer. My California is very comfortable to ride. Uh, the air kind of goes between your calf and the cylinder, and it kind of just mm. goes right out. You don't really feel the heat. Now, I've ridden some smaller bikes, even 300cc twins, that put out a lot more heat than my Moto Guzzi does, and especially the four-cylinders. You know, They really put the yeah. heat out. Yeah, you're right. The, with the cylinders being exter- almost external like that, mm-hmm. You know, with like a big V-twin, they're back-to-back, so you get a lot of heat build up right in the center. And, you know, while it does spill out, it spills out sometimes right into your leg. Or, you know, or worse, just kind of kind of soaks the whole bike with heat. Yeah, it, 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 just, it displaces the air, displaces it pretty good, really. You just, you just got the heat of one cylinder out there, and it's in the air, so it's not getting that hot. That's why they designed that engine you know, like a V in, engine in a car instead of the typical uh, V-twin that the right. front cylinders and, and the rear cylinders cooked from the front cylinder. And that's the only way to alleviate that is to water cool it, you know. So Guzzi, when they designed their engine and started putting that V-twin in in 1967, they put it uh, sideways, what most people consider sideways. But from an engineering standpoint, that makes a lot more that's sense. Correct. Yeah. Because everything's out there in the open where you can, you don't have to take the motorcycle apart to, to adjust the valves or anything to, to just, Eight screws and off your valve cover comes and adjust the valves, put it back on, you're done. You know. Now, do you think that does this come from the uh, the shaft drive configuration? You think, or the the engine was oriented that way from an engineering standpoint first, and the shaft drive sort of followed? Yeah, I think that they engineered it that way and decided to go with a shaft drive. Got it. Because back when they built that bike, uh, the only shaft bike that were available was the Moto Guzzi and the BMW. Right. You right. Know, mainly had shafts, so. And BMW, you know, did theirs before Guzzi, so I guess they decided that was a good idea. And, and uh, you know, once you had a shaft bike, you never want to go back to ever having a chain again, you know. Just, right. Um, there's no maintenance except change the, the oil occasionally, and that's it. Yeah, I was surprised how smooth just the transition, the the, the instant torque. It was just amazing. And um, the, the characteristics that I struggle with, just, you know, just – being on the bike for the first time and in being in velocity mode was just the shimmy in the motor when when it's just set like if I was out of light or something. So that was part of the design. Why why did they put that design in the well, motor? The, that's a rubber mounted motor, and uh, when they built that bike, they this is the, the story that we, the factory told my boss, who told me he said that they invited a bunch of Moto Guzzi riders from Italy and Harley riders because they wanted Harley riders input into their bike. And so uh, they invited them all over there to ride the bike, the prototype. And when they came back, everybody that rode it, when they did their little evaluation, the Harley riders especially said it's too smooth and it's too quiet. So they decided to go in there and um, 
change the ECU to where it has like a, a rumpity rump idle mm. and to make the engine look bad, you know, uh, kind of like shaking. But the second you turn the throttle, you know, it gets up about 1500 RPMs, all that goes away. And it's very, probably one of the smoothest twins on the market. You know, it's very smooth and very comfortable to ride. It almost gets you thinking that it's got like a big lumpy cam in it or something. It does. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It, it rumps like it's got a big cam, but it doesn't. It's just the ECU's been changed. That's cool. That is kind of cool, actually. <laughs> yeah. But Rico, you didn't like it. You said it was a little unnerving. Well, yeah. And the reason, you know, I, th- I think it's just the characteristics of the bike and getting used to it. You know, it's being on it for the first time, being in the, the, the velocity mode. It's a lot to to kind of take in because one you're 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 trying to get to know the bike and when you're letting off the throttle and you're just kind of coasting through a turn and you got that vibration, you know it's a little it's a it's different than what I was used to. So I had to really pay attention and see how the bike will respond. But you know, just pulling in the clutch and letting the bike kind of coast, you know, when when it dropped down to fifteen below 15 it would just kind of sit there and shimmy as you took the turn yeah i thought that was a little awkward you know being on the bike for the first time and i just contribute that to it being in the velocity mode and i had a question for you as far as you know would that behavior change if i was in one of the lower modes yeah in the tourist mode that does change i just put it in velocity mode because most people ride it you know they want (laughs) to get on it and see, you know, see what kind of power it has. So I put it in velocity mode. Uh, I've had a couple of riders come in. I've asked them, look, you know, I can ramp the motor up some by putting it in velocity mode or just leave it in tourist mode. Which would you prefer? And most, a lot of people say, oh, just leave it in tourist mode. I'm not going to go out here and see how mm-hmm. fast it goes. So I'll put it back in tourist mode, which it calms the motor down some. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, now the the important question with that, all that rumble is the bike that I've been just going bananas over is that flying fortress. <laughs> so we're yeah. going to get all of that character into that bike. I'm sure it will be. Uh, you know, it's uh, they've, re- they've taken the basic California design and they've added a bat wing fairing, which is a very cool looking bat wing fairing. Yeah. And, uh, and then they've, uh, you know, built in bags in the built in bags onto the body of the bike. So they're not removable. And they blacked out everything, and it's a it's a beautiful bike. We saw it back in April. Motoguzi uh, went around to all their dealers and brought their their new bikes out for 2016, and they had them covered up, and then they unveiled them and showed us that. And this was the prototype they brought. But everybody everybody in attendance there liked that. Uh, they mm. call it the the MGX21 Flying Fortress. So it'll just be referred to probably as MGX21. But yeah. it's a basic California bottle that's been tweaked some and uh, got a fairing and bags on it. Yeah, now I'm, you know, obviously I, I ride a Harley and I've been looking at the Street Glide and Road Glide and stuff like that. And, you know, they're not really, they're not really singing to me. I'm actually more drawn to something like Victory, um, like the Cross Country 8-Ball, because it's more simplistic. I mean, it does have speakers, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have a radio. So... Is this thing, I know it has a, a digital dash or at least digital dials. Is this thing going to have any type of sort of infotainment or is it just going to be um, You know, the one we saw did not have it. And I'm just kind of looking here on the, on something I pulled up about it. And it doesn't say it has a radio in it and all that. I mean, there's room in there if you want, if somebody wanted to put a radio on, I'm sure there wouldn't be any problem. Yeah. There's room to do it. But it's just that uh, most Guzzi riders are, you know, they're not in, I, I shouldn't say, I mean, most of them, if they want music, they just use a Bluetooth in their, their through their iPhone and listen to music that way. But most of them don't, uh, I haven't seen too many people take and put radios on their bike. I think they like to just listen to the motor. Yeah. Uh, yes. Enjoy yeah, the that's ride. me. That is me. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yep. Well, there's a couple little round parts on the fairing at the far ends. I don't know if there's a speakers or vents, but. If they're speakers, it would be, like you said, a Bluetooth connection is pretty much all I need. If, if big if, I'm going to listen to music at all. Right. Yeah, there's a place to put them there. This is, I, the, the model we saw in April did not uh-huh. have a radio in it. But oh, yeah. it was a prototype, so no, that may be something that might come out later. They want if, if enough people say, hey, we want a radio, then I'm sure they, they'll listen. They're pretty good about listening to their, their nice. customers. All right. Well, sign us up. When this thing comes in, we're we're going to trip over ourselves getting over there. I will definitely call you. 
Awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't really have much to say about the the MGX21, just that, that I love it. And in, especially as someone who's shopping for that kind of bike, once I, well, we saw the prototype, like you said, last year um, at the ICMA show. We talked about it and we thought it was pretty cool then. But now that it's a production bike, it's, you know, it's it's over now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we got to ride it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Rich, Rich needs this bike in his garage. I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope to put one in there. <laughs> and if I have to go to Sturgis to get it, so be it. That's right. <laughs> Now, what about what do you think about? So we we talked a little bit about some of the stuff from Eichma. Um Obviously, the the V nine there. We talked about the oh, what did we call it? One is the bobber. One of them's called the the roamer. The roamer and, and the bobber. The, right. Yeah, the the roamer is more of a, just a standard street bike, and the bobbers, you know, got the shorter fenders and a, has bigger tires, like fat little tires, like the. Some of the Har- one of the Sportster models they came out with a model has a really big fat tires and um, I think uh, Guzzi's kind of followed along that line with one model uh, called the Bobber. But uh, I've just seen the pictures of it online. It's a, it's not a bad looking bike. Yeah, it, lo- it looks pretty mean. Now everything is shaft driven, right? None of these are yes, chain uh-huh. Okay, right. And they're eight eight fifty cc motors instead of seven fifty, but they're going to keep the seven fifty line also. Nice. So, what does that 850 make for power? Do you know offhand? In comparison, we haven't to announced the... that yet. Um, so, it'll probably be in a 60 horsepower range somewhere around there. You know, Guzzi. Uh, since Piaggio uh, bought Moto Guzzi, they've uh, kind of left the, the, the real fast bikes to the Aprilia side of the line, and they just continue to make good motorcycles with the uh, with the uh, other ones. You know, the other bikes. Although the California. 1400 it's uh you know it's probably one of the fastest uh cruisers out there for its size nice except for that x uh x dive all that yeah Rico, yeah you the were... ducati but it's 160 horsepower and the guzzi's like right at 100 so yeah yeah, you know, you, yeah. It, and it's a, it, a larger engine i believe it felt faster than 100 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, i can really get trouble on 100 horsepower yeah it 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 took off like a bat out of hell uh, when you pull back on a throttle, mm-hmm. and I was just surprised how quickly I was able to pull away um, from Rich, and Rich was doing all he could to keep up. Uh-huh. And man, I could have kept on going. It just kept pulling and pulling. Just amazing riding bike, and you're, and it's just smooth. It's just a smooth bike, and you're comfortable at high speeds on it. So it's right. really it nice. makes all its uh, torque uh, at twenty seven hundred RPM. So. Ooh. It's just right off the throttle. It's just you know, it just pulls like a freight train. So, yeah. See, that's the difference. The Ducati's probably more high strung. I mean, oh yeah, the Ducatis you got to rev them up to make them go. Sure. Versus this is more like a more like a diesel. You just touch it and you yeah. roast the tires. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it will go. And we're gonna spin back to the past for a little bit. So, tell us about the future because you know. You hear about Moto Guzzi, then you don't hear about him. So was that due to a lot of ownership changes? What what was the deal with it? Well, Moto Guzzi's always been kind of a small company. and They started in 1921 uh, in Italy, and they still build the, the bikes in the same plant that they started in. And uh, it's a three-story building. And uh, I was reading a little bit of the history, and it said that uh, on the very top of the roof, they assembled the bikes on the third floor. And on the top of the roof, they have an oval track that they test the bikes on. Now, I don't think they still do this, but this was in the past. And what they do after they assemble the bikes, they put them up on the track and make a few laps. They usually put about a mile or two miles on them. Because every one that I used to get, they all had like 1.4 or 5 miles on them. <laughs> and they test them on this track. And then they would carefully lift them off with a crane down onto the ground and to where they'd put them in crates to ship them out. But they... They did ride each bike rather than just put it on a dyno and go through the gearbox. So uh, nice. that's uh, that's some of the hist- you know the, the beginnings of the. I don't know how, when they changed that, but uh, Moto Guzzi owned the company, and then uh, Aprilia bought Moto Guzzi back, I think, in the nineties, and they made a lot of nice changes, uh, the fit and finish of the bike. You know, it's always been a good motorcycle, and they just continued to improve on it. And then Piaggio bought uh, Moto Guzzi and Aprilia, and they. Uh, They've, uh, they're a big, probably the biggest company, in, biggest uh, company in Italy. I think they own seven different brands, 
but they've put a lot of uh, a lot more money into the research and, and just trying to make the bikes uh, more what what America wants or wherever they sh- you know they ship a lot of them overseas. Yeah. But they're they've changed it a lot, but they they still keep the Aprilias, the the really fast bikes, you know, and the Guzies. They just continue to uh, to make them nice motorcycles, but they're they're not slow, but they're they're not as fast as some of these these other brands, you know. But that's not what they're about. They're they're a simple design. Yeah. And for a person that owns them, uh, you know, you can adjust your own valves if you if you're mechanically inclined, change your own oil, and that's about all they require, really. Uh, change the oil and adjust nice. the valves, like every six thousand miles. And uh, you know, they do. They are computer. You know, everything's run by a computer, so you you may have to take it to your dealer once. You know, every two or three years. I don't know. Uh, I've never had to have any of mine tweaked. But you know, you just plug in a, a laptop to them. And right. <laughs> they can tweak them right there. Well, yeah, two really good points you've mentioned already was that they listen to their customers and they, you know, they bring people in, they want people's input, and then they're actively making changes on it. That's fantastic. It is, yeah. They, 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 uh, matter of fact, we gave them a lot of some things. We told them some things we heard, you know, from our customers, just little things. And uh, back in April, and uh, we were talking, you know, about different things. And, uh, and I've already seen some of the changes they've already made from April till the new bikes they've announced, you know. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, you kind of answered my question without me asking it, but I was going to ask about, you know, Guzzi getting back to Isle of Man and the TT, but like you said, the parent company now owns both Guzzi and Aprilia, so that makes right. sense to keep the race bikes on the Aprilia side. Right, yeah, they have, you know, the, v, the RSV4 is like 201 horsepower. Oof. So uh, I think, you know, all this really perform performance bikes are going to be on the Aprilia side, but um, right. the Guzzi's still are, I mean, they're they're very, most of them are long-legged, so if you get out on the interstate uh, and you want to go somewhere, you know, whatever speed you're comfortable at, it's whatever speed the bike's comfortable at, it, it, you know, there's no no limits, really. I mean, they just run uh, run very good on the highways or the back roads or the mountains, you know. They're just fun bikes to ride, that's, you know. I always tell somebody that rides one for the first time, you know, don't go around the block. Now go out and ride it for 30 minutes for and sure, come back, yeah. you know, take your time and enjoy it. Yeah, that's interesting with the with the long legs concept. So with this MGX21, given sort of the research, I'm I'm happy, but I'm also surprised that it has pegs and not floorboards. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. You know, the other models, you know, uh, and I'm sure you could convert this over if you wanted floorboard since it's the same basic design as the California yeah, oh no. touring and custom. You could change it over again if you wanted. But uh, a lot of pe- a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they like either you like floorboards or you don't like them. I kind of like them because you can put your feet way far forward like you're stretching them out to give your legs a rest when you're on the highway. Or you can pull them back under, under you, almost right underneath you so you, yeah. you know, you're not... Uh, I don't like riding my feet way out in front of me personally. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of pegs. I for whatever reason I I can't find enough comfort with floorboards. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. It's yeah, ma- and it's mainly low speed stuff. I guess it's more. I guess I get a little uneasy with the transition of your foot from the floorboard to the ground. It just mm-hmm. to me it seems a little cumbersome. Right. But that's yeah, just, it's just whatever preference. you get used. Once you get used yeah. to them, it's just like having a peg there. You know. Right. Right. Awesome. Good history. Good stuff. Yeah. So are they still, do you know if they're still using that wind tunnel they did back in the fifties? You know what? They've got it, but I don't think they're using it now. Um, they designed that thing way back and um, I don't think they're using it now. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure, but I, I just haven't heard anything that said this bike was designed in a wind tunnel. Now in the seventies, they were still using that wind tunnel cause that's how they, uh, they designed the SP-1000, the fairing, and the, everything was designed in that wind tunnel, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm just not sure how much they're still using it. Cool. And the other big question I had, <laughs> and I was surprised to, to, to kind of see this, um, back in the 50s when they built that V8. Oh, yeah. That looked awesome. <laughs> yeah. And for that motor to only weigh 99 pounds, that was just impressive. And then for the yeah, total bike, a very compact 500 cc dual overhead cam, you know, uh, V8 engine, and they only used it three years, I think, before uh, they discontinued it. They said, you know, some of the history I read said it was like 175 mile an hour motorcycle that 
had tires designed in the 50s, and a lot of riders were afraid to ride it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I can understand why. Yeah, I was, you know, talking about like 50s and and tires. Like I, I'm I'm a fan of the, the TT races at the Isle of Man, and, and I lent Rico my 2015 reviewed uh, CD. And so I was looking through Amazon and they had a, I think it was called the hundred greatest moments and just watching those bikes from the, like you said, the fifties and, and even earlier, you know, watching them still get a hundred miles an hour on some of those bikes, just amazing what was going on in that era. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, imagine with drum brakes too, at the Isle of Man, you know, right. <laughs> Skinny well, tires, they, drum brakes. <laughs> right. The big motors had a lot of, uh, you know, engine braking apparently. So yeah, that helped them some, but, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a super tricky course to negotiate. Uh, I just can't imagine going the speeds they go, you know. Oh, yeah. Bucket list for me, yeah. So, so Rico, what do you think? You want you want to do a little more history on Guzzi? You want to talk about new bikes? What do you think? I don't know. Yeah, what would you prefer to, to kind of talk about since you've been in it for 50-something years now, almost? Uh, where's, where, where, where does your passion lie with the Moto Guzzi? I just enjoy the brand. It's it's such a fun bike to ride. It's different, you know. Uh, and I'm telling you, Doc, if you have a Moto Guzzi and you meet another Moto Guzzi rider, you've got an instant friend. Now, I, I noticed this when I had Harley Davidson's that I had a Sportster when I started out because I didn't want to go and spend a ton of money. And I got into Harley Davidson in the 90s when, you know, when everybody wanted one and it was cut mm-hmm. cutthroat dealers trying to yeah. sell you an 883 Sportster for $10,000. But I noticed when I had a Sportster, you go to an event somewhere and you pull up and they you think you rode a 250 Rebel there. I mean, the Harley people just didn't <laughs> want anything to do with you. And then I got a big bagger, Electric Glide, and then that's kind of the same thing there. You know, it's like, oh, you're riding a bagger, which is just opposite of Moto yeah. Guzzi. If you pull up to any kind of event on a 750 Guzzi and everybody there has got a 1400 California Hey, you're a butt. Hey, man, how you doing? You know, you're in, you know, yeah. secret handshake and all that. But um, that's one thing about just the camaraderie of Moto Guzzi riders. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a unique brand and it's a, a different bike. Uh, it, it's just a fun bike to ride. And I, I just, you know, I'm happy that they're succeeding, making more mo- motorcycles now. And uh, this new company that has a lot of money, you know, Piaggio, they're developing, you know, they keep developing new products and changing it. And it's getting a lot more young, uh, younger people in there buying these bikes. And that's what that's every good. brand needs, you yep. know. So um, that's that's a good thing. Yes, old guys are only going to buy so many bikes. Yeah, from I mean, now on. more bikes than we buy. So, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of young people. I sell the 750 Guzzies to men and women, so that's good. Yeah, I bet uh, I bet you guys are pretty anxious to get that Scrambler because Ducati's making some serious coin off of that oh, Scrambler yeah. line. Sure. Yeah, but, uh, you know that's going to be a that's, that's going to be an interesting bike. I mean, uh, I'm. I'm we're waiting for us to transition one over from the from the V seven two to the Scrambler model, so that ought to be coming any time. Yeah. So yeah, just a sales pulse. What is it? You know, when you're when you're selling bikes, what's sort of the the ratio? You know, like Guzzi to other bikes. Well, you know, some months we sell more Moto Guzzi and Aprilia's than we do uh, Yamaha or Kawasaki. You know, it's just uh, it's funny. Some okay. months it'll go that way where we sell. Everybody comes in, buys an Aguzzi or an Aprilia, and then the, the rest of the year, you know, it'll be, you know, a mixture of everything. I mean, we all, we have great motorcycles there of every brand, but uh, some months it's amazing. They'll just come in and everybody wants a Guzzi or an Aprilia. So, uh, you know, it's it's it, the sales. We're very pleased with our, with the sale, amount of sales we're mm-hmm. making, but we'd always like to make more, sell more, right. so. But, uh, you know, one thing about the company I work for, Matthew's Fun Machine, they've been there for like 35 years. So it's probably the oldest motorcycle shop in Charlotte, one of the oldest. And um, and I always say we're the friendliest motorcycle dealer in Charlotte because there's some dealers that just aren't friendly. You know, I've, yeah. I've been in one, some, and uh, you just don't feel welcome when you come in there. You know, once they find out you're just, you're kind of looking around yep. just to check out their products, you know, they're kind of like, you know, they, they talk to you and then they walk away, you know. Oh, yeah. And then they don't uh, tell you goodbye when you leave or right. <laughs> you stop by or anything. So we, we concentrate on customer service and service after the sale. You know, I try and stay in touch with customers. And if there's any goozy events coming out, you know, I'll call them or email them. 
and you know, uh, I, I'm kind of more on the goosey, Aprilia side, and um, you know, uh, although you know, I'm happy to sell Kawasaki and Yamaha too, and uh, yeah. we treat all our customers good and take care of them. You know, if they have any little issues, we walk them back to the shop and you know, just go over it with them, make sure you know uh, that they're taken care of and they're happy. That's huge, and I got to tell you, that's that's. You know, heart. I'm not really hard one, but it's just, it touches me in a way to know that there's a company out there focused on customer service, wanting to make sure even after they sold you a bike that you're engaged, that they're still engaged with you. They just don't write you off. Okay, we sold another unit. Let's move to the next guy. That customer service is key to to keep uh, uh, people wanting to come back to Motoguzi and selling it for for you. You know, I think that uh, you're right. I, that's what we focus on. You know, we we constantly call, talk about customer service, and and I think that's why we do have a lot of repeat customers. You know, the only thing to, about Guzzi, when you buy a Guzzi, you don't trade them in every year or two, like you know some of the Japanese bikes. Mm-hmm. People that buy them usually keep them five years minimum, so you don't have that <clears throat> turnover of customer that much. But you know, um, when they come back, they're they're looking for another uh, a new you know different. Another Moto Guzzi, maybe a different uh, engine size or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, they pretty much, once you start out on a Guzzi, you'll, you'll stick with them. It's like me. You know, I've, I couldn't believe I've been riding them since 75. And just for a short two-year period, I had two Harleys and a Buell then <laughs> <clears throat> came back to Guzzi. Yeah, Buell. Oh, that's a, that's a story <laughs> that tugs at my heart because I, I like Buell. I, I do, too. I really, I, I came within spitting distance of buying a Ulysses back in the day. And I just I I wanted that to succeed for for Harley and for everything, but just wasn't wasn't to be, I guess. Wasn't meant to be, yeah. And they made the best deals ever right at the end of their, you know, before they closed the factory down. You know, they had the Rotax motors in them, and yeah, they were very fast and very very handle. They've always handled well, and so I hated to see them go out like that. Yeah, yeah, and I I can attest to the sort of the the quality if you will at matthew's fun machine i mean i haven't purchased a bike there yet i will say (laughs) but i I do service my my klr gets serviced over there Mm -hmm. service guys did a great job i think we talked about it on the show with i let it sit for a while and it kind of rusted a little bit so they they ended up you know honing it out and getting it back in shape so you know so i'm in there a lot for service but you know all the just the window shopping i've done i know you know jim you've helped me out a few times and just one day, it might have been you or it might have been one of the other guys, but just looked at a bunch of bikes. They took me up into the attic and, you know, looked at some different Aprilias when I was looking at the Shiver. And just, uh, like you said, very friendly, very compassionate. They they care about the customer. And, you know, I, I never don't leave without, you know, someone saying goodbye, which is a good thing. Right. And, yeah, you come back and you see <clears throat> familiar faces there. You know, it's not a turnover of people. So yep. Yep. it's nice to come back and see people you know and and they know you you know yeah good stuff so yeah we'll have links to the website but you know if you're in the charlotte area we definitely encourage people to check them out that's for sure and stop and see jim stop and see (laughs) jim bring him a coffee yeah that's right (laughs) all right i got one more sort of sort of oddball question and i'll let rico give his final uh closing as well and this is just sort of kind of shopping experience so since you're in the world of of selling bikes, you have access to a lot of information. Um, now, brand loyalty aside, if you were going to buy a new motorcycle and you could only buy one of what's coming out in 2016, where, where's your money going? For me personally, um, you know, I'd probably have to stick with the Moto Guzzi line, and I might be, uh, you know, I'm very happy with what I have. But, uh, right. you know, in, in a couple of years, I might say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need a lighter, smaller bike now, and I might go for that V nine, the new, the new one they've got. Okay, all right. And and bobber trim. Uh, I think I'd go for more of this, this classic. More look, the classic. You know, okay. Yeah, the Roamer. I think they call that. Uh, I'm just in here looking at a picture of it online, and I'm saying, you know, I can see me riding that bike. Very good. Yeah, I think uh, if, if I've got a nice stack of Benjamins laying around in August. That Flying Fortress is looking pretty nice. It is. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm interested to get that in, and uh, I'm sure we'll make a demo bike out of one of them. Very and nice. I'll have to ride that, too, to, to see how it compares <laughs> to what I'm riding now. <laughs> we'll come over and help you clean it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. So Rico, your uh, your final thought or question? Yeah. Uh, uh, since being at uh, Matthew's Fun Machine, what is the oldest uh, Moto Guzzi you, you've seen come back to the shop for service or an owner having an older bike? Which one has it been? Well, there's uh, we have some customers that have, you know, in the 70s, early 70s. Like me, I have a, a restored 1971 Moto Guzzi 750. And uh, I've done most of the work myself. But, uh, you know, uh, there's such an easy bike to work on. You really just don't feel like you need to run to the dealer every time you need an oil change. I mean, it's very easy to work to do yourself. But, but you know, we've had some bikes in the 70s come back there. Uh, I haven't seen too many from the 60s, but uh, the 70s, early 70s, and then 80s, a lot of 80s and 90s bikes, you know. Most of the Guzzi riders have the older ones. They just do most of the work themselves. They come in there and buy parts from us and stuff. But, right. And they'll ride up there to visit, but they don't usually come in with a problem. You know, oh, I got to have this done. Uh huh. You should take you take your um, restored bike to the Easy Rider Show in January. Yeah, I might do that. I just uh, I haven't titled it yet for the street. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the only thing I had a Tennessee title when I built it. So I've had the DMV come out and inspect it, and I've got all the paperwork. I just got to take it and uh, get it all done. You know. Cool. Take it down and get it done, get the tag and insurance on it where I can start riding it. Another question I had was, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of the the, the Barber uh, Vintage Motorcycle Festival, and if you had uh, any thoughts or any experience with that. Well, I've been to the racetrack uh, a couple of years ago. I rode the Guzzi down there and I watched the races on the Saturday, Friday and Saturday, I think it was. And Sunday, I was going to go to the museum, but uh, we ran out of time. Somebody told me, said, look, this is not, it's not the kind of place you can walk in in an hour, see anything. He said, if you get in there, you'll yeah, walk, say, five or six hours. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, the next time I come, I'm going to devote one day to going to the museum because I heard it's fabulous, you know. And the racetrack is, a, to me, it looks like a golf course with somebody put a road race course on. It is absolutely immaculate. Yeah, there's artwork, too. anybody that hadn't been there to go. It's beautiful. Yeah, there's sculptures out on the track, too, which is really interesting. It is. It's very nice. Yeah, the whole place is just beautiful. And then you've got the museum right there at the entrance to the racetrack. So that would be a place. But I would suggest you go spend some time in that museum, not just, you know, that's why I didn't go through it, because I didn't have the time. And I thought, oh, if I get in here, I'll never never be able to get home on time. <laughs> well, I think Rico's trying to rope you into our crew. We we did the Vintage Fest this year, which was an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they have the vintage races on that track. You can watch, you know, vendors, uh, swap meet, all sorts of stuff. And we were there a couple of days and we, we didn't even get to the museum. There was so much to do at the festival. So we decided we're going to go back and see the museum. Yeah, that's the same thing that happened to me. There was so much, I was interested in so much of the, the stuff for sale on the infield and everything that I never got over to the museum. So next time I'll have to go do that. Good stuff. Awesome. Well, we we do thank you, Jim, for your time. We know it's your your day off, and you've got a place to be. So, Rico and I will will close it down here later on. It's been my pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you, gentlemen. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thank you, Jim. All righty. Come by and see us. We'll do. We uh, will. Ah, uh, that was cool, Rico. So I thought I'm, I'm glad we got some time to to sit down with Jim. I've I've sort of pestered him and a lot of the guys over there at. Matthew's Fun Machines over the last, I'd say last year or two, uh, just kind of window shopping. But, but yeah, cool guy to sit down and have a conversation with. Yeah, you better be careful. They're going to put you to work. <laughs> I know, right? I'm going to end up with a second job or a third job. Well, well that'd be good for Rich because then he can ride those bikes. Because, you know, I think he was ooing when he said, hey, I got a salesman job. I can ride bikes, you know, home. Oh, my goodness. I know, right? That's like the best selling feature ever. It's like. Yeah, we have these bikes have to be ridden. So every now and then, you're going to take one home. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> Sign that up. <laughs> Sign me up. And since you know, I missed a call due to uh, my day job, um, and I got to listen to this last night while I was home waiting for the wife to get home from work. You know, I sat here and I was thinking about uh, when Jim talked about the uh, exhaust and making it sound like a V8. I'm like, oh my goodness, I get to see now Rich running down there and getting a bike. Yeah, I think once we hear that V8 sound coming from that bike, then it's going to be over. Yep. Stick a fork in him. He's done. Sign him up. Well, yeah. that that, and I don't think um, 
I don't think Lee would take too kindly of me rip, ripping the acros off of the Modus. Because <laughs> <laughs> those would have to go. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Straight pipes for the win. Yep. Yeah. Gotta, gotta hear it. Cool. All right. So if you guys enjoyed that, or guys and gals, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about um, in terms of growing the show. So let's talk about our, our Patreon campaign a little bit. And the first thing really is that it gives us goals or it gives us things to shoot for. So when you check out the site, and again, it's it's patreon.com slash Studios, or if you're on our website, um, loudpipes.net slash donate, there's also a link there uh, if that makes it easier. Um, so goals, Rico, we talked uh, about going weekly, and we've sort of kicked this idea around almost since we started the show, but it's just never really been feasible from a time standpoint. And mm-hmm. not that the time crunch is going to get any better, but now we have this added thing of cost. So there are things that we do to process the show that um, are free to a limited capacity, but as we look to do things weekly, uh, we're going to incur some more cost to that. So that's kind of the first goal is when we hit the $40 per month level, then we decided we would put the show weekly. So that can be four people at $10, you know, eight people at $5, you know, or 40 people at $1, whatever it takes. Once we reach the $40 level, then we'll do this show every week. Woohoo! Woohoo! Watch me, Nay Nay. <laughs> no, watch me whip. <laughs> <laughs> and John, I guess, Superman? I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right. So the next goal we have is we've also talked about possibly doing a second show for some time. And I have two specific ideas in mind that I'm not going to mention, but our second goal is if we reach the $100 per month level, then we decided we would start a second show. So we don't have the ideas fully flushed out. We have two that are pretty solid. Um, but yeah, rest assured, once we reach that level, then we'll kick off a second show, either something that we do or something we produce for someone else, um, but it'll come out of the RW Studios banner. And, of course, you got to have a stretch goal, right, Rico? You can't just have your, your lofty ones that's like, yeah, I'm going to make those goals, no problem. If you ain't stretching, you ain't growing, brother. So the stretch goal then is, it sounds like a lot, but if you think about it, it's really a not. So we're setting the bar at 500 per month, and once we reach this goal, we will do recordings from major motorcycle and automotive events up to four per year. So these would be things like, you know, think of our barber trip recently, uh, think of the AIM Expo, Sturgis, Daytona Bike Week, SEMA show, things like that. Or who knows, maybe even ICMA some year. But those things... Holla, man. Yeah, those things to attend and to produce are um, are not easy and it's not inexpensive. So I think the barber trip, you know, we were in the twelve to $1,500 range just for that weekend. So, you know, that's the type of stuff that we want to do more of and... And that's something that you guys can help us out with as we grow our little our little operation. All right, Rico, you ready to get into the good stuff? Let's give them the good stuff. All right, so those are the goals, and you understand sort of what we're looking for. But here's what you can get out of it. So the whole idea with Patreon is to create a community. And what we've had in mind is we would use Patreon for exclusive content. Now, this would be things like behind the scenes, um, early access to video that that might be released publicly in the future, uh, maybe blooper reels, things like that. So the, all this stuff is going to be posted on Patreon, and we're going to start it at the basic level. Uh, the minimum the site will let us do is $1 per month. So if you pledge $1 per month, you'll get access to all of that content. And that's sort of what we're calling the insider information. Uh, the next level... Uh, raise the game up to a pledge of $5 per month or more. And this is what we call the monthly production meeting. So you can think of this as a monthly hangout. So we'll get together on Google Plus Hangouts for up to seven supporters. And it's just an opportunity to hear what we're working on. Upcoming topics, events, other details about the show we may be working on. And it's a chance to give direct feedback and also input into the show. So if you've got an idea, something that you want to hear... Uh, some event that you're interested in, that's something we can take into consideration, and this would be a great forum 
for that conversation. So we're setting it at seven supporters for now. Obviously, once we get more than seven, we'll have to reevaluate and see where we are at that point. So Rico, that means you got to get on camera. I got to get some more bandwidth then. <laughs> you need some more bits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I might have to shave. You know, I, I work from home, so I don't shave, but like once a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes two of us. Yeah. I don't like to shave either. <laughs> so much pain in the ass in the morning. All right. We'll just have to do like these crayon drawn faces. and There we go. Caricatures. Caricatures, yeah. Okay, so we've got one more level. If that's not enough for you, um, we have a level that's called Contributor Credit. And this is going to be $25 or more per month. And each one of these levels include the prior level. So at the $5 level, obviously, you get access to all the Patreon-only content and then the monthly Hangout invitation. The $25 level will get you access to the $1 and $5 level. Plus, this will give you credits, uh, Contributor Credit to the show. So in the show notes that we post for each episode of Loud Pipes, your name will be referenced there. And also we'll give you an on-air um, spoken mention as well. And this can be more. So this is kind of a, you can think of this as like a soft sponsorship, if you will, although I don't really like using that word. Um, so if you have uh, other needs, so if you want to mention like a product or your company or something like that, um, then just reach out to us. We can do something something larger than that. All right, so Rico and John, you've tested the site, right? I know you've contributed. Wink, wink. I have. Hint, hint. Yeah, <laughs> sure have. I have. All right, and again, like I said, that that's available at uh, patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash studios. Or to keep it simple, you can do loudpipes.net slash donate. All right, any other thoughts on that, fellas? I'm excited. I can't wait to... To sort of get the monthly thing going and get the the exclusive content going, um, I know we we sort of talked about the basic donation with the newsletter, but this is much more exciting to me. I think this is going to be cool. I think even more exciting is just have people walk around in our t-shirts. There you go. It'll be even better. You know what I'm saying? That's what gets me sick. The, the the advertisement aspect of it all of loud pipes and representing loud pipes. Yep. Not only. At home, but as you ride. You know what I'm saying? Our own little crew. That's right. You know, talking about that and walking around, we need to plug out that, you know, our plan is the next event that we're planning on going to is um, here at the end of uh, January, going to uh, Easy Rider in Charlotte again, aren't we, guys? That's the plan. That's it. That is if Rico got us any tickets. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I knew you were going to call me out on that. <laughs> Check that to-do list. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I looked at that today. It's funny you said that because I was like, oh, I got to call these people. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course. Of course. Oh, man. Too funny. And uh, any other event updates there, Rich? Anything else? You know, the college and coffee, have they? Uh, oh, no, they suspended. Never mind. Yeah, haven't heard. They're still searching for a venue last I checked, so okay. I'm itching, though. I'm itching. I like that show or event, whatever it's called. Yeah, so I just thought I'd throw that out there that, you know, that's our current plans of action. Yep. All right. Well, we won't draw this one out any longer. We hope everyone enjoyed the conversation with Jim May. He's a great guy to sit down with, and and at some point we'll have to get him back on the show. We'll get him in studio and We'll have another conversation again. Maybe when the Flying Fortress comes out, we'll have to ride that. Yeah, and I think as we, you know, I would like to do this more with all our dealership connects. Um, When we talk about a particular bike, have them come back. Or when they have a new bike, they're introducing a new bike to their line. You know, have them come on the show and actually talk to us about the new bike. Yep. Yeah, and and stay tuned for the next episode. We have, uh, if we get everything lined up, we may have just that on tap. Cool, that'd be fun. Yep. All right, gentlemen. So a couple of quick reminders. We'll make this one brief. Um, Don't forget, if you want to see our show notes um, and links and images and things like that, you can find that at loudpipes.net slash 34. 34 already, Rico. Jeez. I know, right? Um, And the best way not to miss an episode is to, of course, subscribe to the show via your favorite podcast application, be it iTunes, Stitcher Radio, 
or something on Android. If you don't have something on your Android device, check out our site. There is a button there that says One Click Android, and it will sort of guide you to some of the more popular uh, podcast applications. And also star ratings and reviews on iTunes, Stitcher Radio are a great place or a great way to help promote the show. And if you feel it's less than five stars or you have other questions or comments, drop us a note at feedback at rdubstudios.com or we've got a feedback link on our website if you don't want to leave your email address. Um, And one last mention for our Patreon campaign, which is now live. And again, the easiest way to get to that is just go to loudpipes.net slash donate. That is, of course, our original donate page. And there's a link there straight to the Patreon website. All right, Rico, kickstands up. Chompila. Chompila. Take care, everyone. This has been an R-Dub Studio production. Check us out at rdubstudios.com, iTunes, or Stitcher Radio.